The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, today we're going to be talking about relationships and listening with regard to conflict resolution. And we're so thrilled today we are going to be speaking with Brian Grossman, Ph.D., a.k.a. Dr. Brian. We're going to be calling him Dr. Brian. He is a professional psychologist with a twist. Actually, he spent four years in prison, but actually as a psychologist treating people in prison. And he's currently a relationship expert, a motivational speaker, and he's the author of this wonderful workbook that I have in front of me called Learning to Listen. Did you hear what I think I said? And listening is like the most powerful skill we can all have. Anyway, Dr. Brian has worked with for-profits and non-profits and individuals at all levels. And he's provided training for organizations such as IBM and even the IRS, Goodwill, and even the San Diego Zoo and hundreds of others. But he's most proud of the work that he did in, in the most very difficult population, and that's prison inmates. We're going to ask him about that. His efforts in training corrections officers and basic mental health practices help reduce conflicts between officers and inmates, and he completely upended the rules governing the interactions between corrections officers and psychology departments, and he increased state audit compliance from 20% to 98%. That's pretty good. In addition to his speaking work, he sits on the advisory board of Smooth Transition, Inc., which is a nonprofit serving and empowering underprivileged at-risk populations through life skills development, educational and vocational training, and mentoring. And this helps to prevent re-entry to foster or judicial systems, poverty, and homelessness. So that is really wonderful. You can learn more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com. And you can also learn more about him at drbriangrossman.com. Dot com. Thank you so much, Brian. We really, Dr. Brian, we really appreciate you joining us from the desert. Well, thank you so much, Mari. It's, it's just a great pleasure for me to be on your show, and I'm so glad we both uh, were able to collaborate together on this. Yes. So why don't you tell us what it was like working in the prisons? That can be a very uh, scary and, and challenging situation. I actually, it was the most challenging professional job I've had to date. It was also, 
in some ways the most fun. But I'll tell you, when I left, you could feel the weight of the world off your shoulders. I didn't realize how much stress I was under. But what was fascinating was trying to get officers, mental health, and inmates on the same page because officers thought that mental health was their biggest problem and Mm. that we were their biggest headache. And, of course, being in mental health at a prison, because some inmates had to be in what you would call inpatient mental health, they were, we had the only air-conditioned unit oh. on the prison campus. So you can imagine inmates would try to manipulate all the time. <laughs> to uh, get in there with you. <laughs> into the air conditioning. So it took about four to five months, and I finally was able to get on the same page with uh, the correctional officers, and I, I did that, and I think this will be a great tip for your audience, is when you know you're in conflict with somebody, rather than state your position, I just went, I, I got my boss's permission, and I went to meet the colonel, who's the head of security, and I said, what does mental health do that bugs you? Give me a list of your top 10 or 20 things that we do that tick you off, and he gave me almost an encyclopedia. <laughs> and I said, wow, I haven't been here more than three weeks, but I'm going to get on as much of this as I can. And after a couple of months, we eliminated most of the complaints because they were, of course, that manual was quite repetitive. Yes. And then I went to him and I said, did you notice things are better? And he said, yes. And I said, I wonder if you can tweak a few things with me. And through that uh, communication, I was able to develop a bunch of workshops for almost the entire state correctional facilities where we worked with officers and mental health and made the relationship a hundred times better. Wow, that is just so incredible. I have a question. What about all these gangs? I happen to see a lot of these documentaries about the gangs and the tattooing and all this stuff that goes on. I mean, what about, how do you deal with the conflict with the gangs? That's got to be incredibly difficult. It's the biggest challenge, I think, for worldwide for correctional facilities. And no matter where you, you know, there was a a program in place a while back to separate them. So if you get arrested and you're in the Bloods and Crips from Los Angeles, we'll send you to Nevada. Well, gangs have gotten so big that you can connect through, pardon me, you can connect gang members nationwide now. And so I think the biggest problem that correctional facilities or many organizations, for that matter, have is we try to find the hot-button issue and the hot-button solution, and it's one thing. And people don't like to hear there's a multi-stage solution to things. So I think it's more than separating them. It's separating them and teaching them that there's another way of life that they can have. Right. And a better chance at life. And also, you know, I think it's a mental health approach. It's a it's a communication approach. It's a family approach. But it's also offering more. I mean, I, I think the biggest problem they have is when they leave prison, they don't have many options. So if we can create more options for them, the better off all of society would be. But that's not a popular decision or popular answer right now. Right. This television program was showing how even in, you know, when they're in prison, they get these 
um, tattoos that show which gangs that they're with, right. you know, and then then there was a program to try and get them out of the gang. So then they showed at the end um, how they were erasing or, you know, using lasers to take exactly. to take these tattoos off so that they wouldn't go out in the world and be seen as these gangs and and how they would that was one way to try and you know right. get them back great great solution yeah that was it's, it's very very tough wow so what did you learn about yourself doing that that must have been an, an insightful experience i learned how to be tougher mm. <laughs> and and not mean but how to stand your ground oh. and you know when, watch boundaries huh yeah later on we can talk about some different stages of conflict but i learned how to not uh, you know, I'm a people pleaser, so if I could resolve a conflict, I give in to let you win, boy, does that increase conflict in the prison. Right. <laughs> and right. I think that increases conflict over time, yes. in personal and business relationships. So I learned how to collaborate, how to get to win-win, yes. but I also learned how to dominate, how to hold my ground. And I, and I didn't think for myself that would be a problem, but when you're put in charge, if you're not the behavioral style where you love, I win, you lose. Mm -hmm. It's hard to shift to that, but sometimes you need to do that to assert your power, assert your communication, and let people know you can't be manipulated. Then you can get to win-win. Yes. And that, that was a hard lesson, but a, a good one to learn. You may want to read this book, The Power of a Positive No, by William Urey, who wrote uh, originally Getting to Yes and Getting Past No. I yeah. just I had him on my show recently, and he was actually my professor at Harvard. And it's, it's, it's all about what you just said. It's about watching boundaries and saying, having a powerful no, but having the yes underneath it that you know how to get to yes. So it was... Um, very, very interesting. And it's all about boundaries. And all of us, every single one of us has issues with boundaries about how do we not overstep other people's boundaries, but how do we not let people step on ours? And right. I think that is a lifelong lesson that we are constantly tested on. And uh, and I would imagine working in the prison would be your greatest lessons. The go- Absolutely. <laughs> that I, was I, like I, you got a Ph.D. In the, in the lesson of watching boundaries. Absolutely. And I think also, <laughs> just to escape prison for a moment, I think that's a, the biggest challenge parents have today. Yes. Is, uh, dealing with their teenagers and social media and where are the boundaries. And uh, I, I love the uh, Yuri and his books. So uh, Yes, you would love that yeah. one. The Power of a Positive No is really great. Now, the, let's get back to the issue of conflict then. So um, let's talk about your definition of conflict. My definition of conflict is borrowed from uh, a few people, but mainly uh, Dennis Waitley, who wrote a long time ago how to manage conflict and handle anger. And it, it, my definition of conflict is an issue that's ongoing and repeated that doesn't get solved. So if I'm in a relationship with somebody and we argue about money and we come up with a solution, and three days later I had agreed earlier to not spend and you come home from work, and there's a brand-new high-definition television. Right. Well, we didn't learn the lesson, right. and we didn't change behavior. So my definition of conflict resolution is we have a problem, we come up with a mutually agreeable solution, and we stick to it. Yes. And, and behavior has to change. And when you do that, it's hard work, but, boy, every relationship you have is better. 
Yes. And sometimes if let's say you've got this problem, which I see when I do divorce mediation, you know, like one's the spender and one gets very angry because they grew up maybe depression area or, or at a time where they had no money. And so to them, money is that important. But often it is even deeper than that. It isn't really about buying and not buying. It's about respect and, and people not feeling respect. So that's, you know, you have to go pretty deep sometimes to understand the real nature of the conflict. Sometimes it isn't about leaving the toothpaste on the, on the, on the toothbrush. No, it's, it's respect, <laughs> it's dignity, it's, it's understanding. Uh, am, yeah. Attacked, it's all of that. Right. It's, it's much more deep and uh, not always easy to do. I'm sorry, I remember. I'm divorced now, but when I got married, a best friend of mine that I've known since kindergarten, he did, a, he did the toast at the wedding, and he said, Brian, you got to promise you'll put the cap on the toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great that you mentioned that. Yeah. That can be a source of conflict. Yes, no it, about it. it can. And sometimes we have to choose which things we're going to sit down and negotiate about or, or choose our right. battles, as they say. Right. You know, I, I really love this booklet, um, Learning to Listen, Did You Hear What I Think I Said? Because listening is such an important critical skill that people don't even think about, do they? No. They, they, everybody believes they're a great listener, and everybody mm. thinks, well, not everybody, a lot of people believe they're a good communicator, and everybody thinks they're good at listening until we have to redo a project, or we forgot to pick up our kid, or we didn't make the deposit, or we twist what someone says to what we want to hear, right? not what was said. And And you talk about optimized listening. Can you help us clarify what you mean by optimized listening? Sure. Optimized listening is listening not only for the content, but the intent. Mm-hmm. You know, if we know each other well, it's very easy to throw a dig or throw a dart that I know will get you going. And if I just say something with a tone I know you might not appreciate, you're going to tune me out because you're already ready to respond. Right. And you're responding to the tone. Optimized listening is, did you hear the message? Did you hear the content and the intent? And then can we separate out the manipulation? And can we answer what's really being asked? And it, and it can even be as simple as at a, uh, I'll never forget this, I was doing training at a company, and the CEO came, and we interrupted the training, and everybody came to a meeting, and they invited me, and there's about 90 of us. And the CEO said, you know, we're going to lay off. Uh, 20% of people. And we went back in the room and everybody in my room said, oh, we're not, you know, no one on our team is going to be laid off. <laughs> and I said, okay, I want everybody to count to 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Line up. You know, we had five groups of 10. I said, now I want two of you from each group to come up with me. And they all did. And I said, the rest of you are laid off. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, are you getting it? I said, now it's not 80% of you, it's 20% of you. So actually the people up here by me are out. And mm. you need to think about that. Right. And right. so we, we hear what we want, and optimized listening is hear what's being said. Yes. And it doesn't take long to do that. It's just a couple of seconds. And it can be as simple as repeating the message. So, you know, it sounds like you said 20% of us are going to get laid off. Is that right? Right. You know? right. And, and you don't have to do that every time, but on the hot-button issues, if you do that, every relationship is enhanced. Yes. And you, you avoid a lot of conflict. So it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm picking up the kids today. Oh, it sounds like you're picking up the kids today. Oh, you need me to get <laughs> yeah. milk. But, you know, on stuff that you right. know you forget, right. 
a simple reminder. Just saying it again helps your memory and helps the relationship. It shows you care. Right. And and it isn't it isn't a bad idea. I know people sometimes you'll tell your phone number to somebody and then they call and they say I, your phone number was wrong. And it's like I always ask someone repeat you know please repeat back so I know that I said it correctly because sometimes we could and we won't say it correctly and just to repeat it back or especially when someone is angry and they're talking to you and they think you're not listening. It's probably a really important time to say I think I heard you say this. Is this what you're telling me? Did I understand correctly? Correct. And, and it's that's sometimes that's e- even healthier, at least when I'm the mediator and people are real angry at each other, I have to do what we call reframing, which is if they say, he, you know, he made all these problems, he made these problems for us. And, and then I could say something, well, I understand that you think that there's a lot of challenges between you. <laughs> right, right. You kind of use the you positive the words. Yeah, yes. yeah. You change the negative words to more positive words. Like problem sounds a lot worse than challenge. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's another thing. Right. Now, you, you mentioned in your book um, there are four ways to resolve a conflict. So why don't we talk about the four ways that you talk about it in your little booklet here. Okay, there's four key ways to resolve a conflict. One is, we mentioned it earlier, is dominate. I win, you lose. Mm-hmm. So we're going to the Dodger game tonight, not the movie, period. Right. So when is it good to dominate? It's good to dominate in crisis. Right. If it's crisis or emergency, that's the best time to dominate. If you're in a stalemate, it's a good time to dominate. But day to day, if you dominate personally or in business, you're going to build up lots of resentment. Right. And then there's the the submissive or the passive way to resolve a conflict, which is I give up to let you win. Now, why would we do that? Well, if I know I'm right and you're my boss, and I'm new to the organization, and you don't know my skill sets, I might say something once, but if you, Mari, as my boss override me, I'm going to give in and let you win, but I'm going to document it. Right. And so if it comes out poorly, I can at least document and say, you know, I suggested this. Uh, We weren't able to get past that in that first meeting. What should I do next time when I know I disagree and think I have a better solution? Right. Or if somebody is like that to you all the time, you say yes, and you look for another job. Right, right, <laughs> right. And, uh, well, yeah, we could do a whole show on that. You right. know, and, and there are people pleasers out there. And I find that if you are the behavioral style where you people please, we call them relators, they're the ones who give in to let you win, and they're the most often the most frustrated. Yes. Because over time, it's, it's hard to keep giving in. Then and then they get mad at themselves. Right, right. You know, because I, I have some clients like that that they give in, and then afterwards they're really resentful. Yes, they're fuming. They're yes. fuming, and and they they have to learn to take responsibility to say things. I think what's what happens is people get scared that if they do say something, it will turn into an escalated conflict instead of just being able to watch boundaries like what we talked about a few minutes ago is like, Gee, I'm, you know, if it's with a work situation, like, gee, I really appreciate what you're saying. I'm concerned that this may happen. What about this? If this happens, what are we going to do then? Just to kind of bring something so that you can present in a gentle, what I call the velvet confrontation, so that you still can bring up something without burying it inside and have it eat you alive. 
Right, and I, I think we we probably agree on this. You know, people have a negative view of confront, whereas I define confront or confrontation as I'm bringing up an important issue that we need to talk about and resolve, not I'm going to attack you. Right. Which is normally how people right how people perceive that. Now, if you sandbag the person, well, now you're manipulating. Right. But. Right. That's why I try to call it like the velvet confrontation or. Sure. Or the, you know, the, the silky, <laughs> the yeah, silky no, confrontation. That, that can really help. Because then I think people start to understand is you're bringing it up, but you're bringing it up in a way that's gentle. You know, right. I, th- I always say, think of the dolphin, gentle yet powerful. Yes. You know? Yes. Exactly. That's a great example. Okay, so you had another a- one? Another way to resolve conflict, and, and I can't wait to get your thought on this, but I... I this creates the most controversy in the coaching and consulting that I do, which is compromise. And people believe that when you negotiate, if you, we both give in on things, we compromise, then we can get to a solution. And actually, when you look up in the definition of compromise in the dictionary, the third one says, I don't get what I want. Mm-hmm. And a simple way to explain that is if in a relationship, so let's say we drive two hours away, we go to a party, we both didn't like any of the food they're served, and we want to go out on the way out home. I want sushi, you want steak. So I give in, we go, we have steak. Well, the next time we go out, I want sushi, and we end up going to another meat place. And I'm keeping note of all of this. <laughs> and so those compromises start to build up, and then they lead to an explosion. Right. And literally, again, the definition of compromise is I don't get what I want. And so, you know, we, we, the easiest example besides relationships is, is politics. Con- Congress views compromise as evil. You know, in, in current times, Congress, both sides, Republican and Democrat, instead of getting to win-win, instead of leading, they both believe each side, Republican and Democrat, need to get all of what they want, which never works. Right. And so when one side gives in, the other side views that as, you know, it's time to have the shark attack instead of we both need to give in and lead. And so compromise is the easy out. It's a great short-term solution. Yes, so and, and it's, eating, if it's something, if yeah, it's if, if it's something simple. If we want to get something to eat, right. if, you know, we're in front of clients, I'll compromise. Right. But if we keep compromising over and over, and I think this is the biggest problem in society is we teach people to compromise, and it's no, we need to get to the best level of conflict resolution, which is collaborate. Yes. Collaborate is I get what I want, you get what you want. But the true definition is I get some of what I want, and you get some of what you want, and we call that win-win. And, you know, it, the biggest problem with Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and his seminars is people don't explore, I believe it's habit four, win-win. They think it means we both get what we want. Well, no, even Covey says we both get some of what we want, and we do that through a little bit of compromise, discussing the issue. And so easily, Mari, if you and I are driving two hours we do a seminar together and then we want to get something to eat and I want sushi and you want steak, couldn't we say, well, what's a place that has both? Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it could be that simple, 
But if we're angry with each other, it's not that simple. <laughs> exactly. If, if we're both into wanting to have be right, you know, right. And, 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 and I have a little bit, you know, similar perspective, and that is the mutual gain solution, which means that I look at what's most important to me. And you look at what's most important to you. So if we're going out after a seminar and you go, gee, I'd really like sushi. And I go, mm, I'd really like a steak. And then, then you say to me, well, Mari, what's really important to you? Well, I was thinking about this restaurant that had this beautiful fountain. I guess what's really more important than the, than the steak is I really want to have some place that has a really beautiful environment. So if, if you know a sushi place that has a waterfall that we can sit by or it has, you know, like a, a, a fish tank or something that we can look at, then, you know, I think I could do that. So so you look at the underlying interests, and so it isn't about compromising. It's about me seeing what's important to you, because often what's important to me is not the same thing that's important to you. Exactly. So if I can get my most important needs met, and you get your most important needs met, it isn't about positions anymore. It's about interests. Right. And, and, and that's respect, that, and that's yeah. that's the relationship. Yes, yes. And people think that they have to win. Sometimes I'll say to clients, you know, I'll say, would you rather be right or happy? <laughs> oh, I love it. Because sometimes, and then they go, I want to be right and happy. And I said, well, sometimes you can have that, but sometimes you can't. So sometimes you have to say, hey, I don't have to be right, but I have to get what I want. I have to get what I need. I can't necessarily get all that I want, but I got to get what I need. And that's the only way to settle, you know, a lawsuit or, or a big, you know, a big uh, conflict that's going on. If you want to be right, you could go to court and you could argue for years and lose a fortune. Or you could say, you know what, this is most important to me. If I can get this, I can live with it. I can move on with my life. So, you know, I end up as the monkey in the middle trying to keep people from killing each other in court. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you and I have to do another show or collaborate and you and I have to come up with a solution that works for creditors, bankers and yes. people in financial trouble because it's the same boy, thing. Yeah, it's the same and thing. I have to be right. Yeah, so. yeah, they are. They are. And and sometimes you can tell them you're I'll I'll turn to people. I may have three or four people in the room and and I'll say what is your position? What is your position? And then I'll say all of you are right. <laughs> so right. where does that get us? Where does that get us? You could, it doesn't matter if you're right. I'm going to tell you every one of you is right. Now, what, what can we do to make this work? Because problem solving is not about being who's right. It's Being who's right is about what happened wrong in the past. Being who's right is about looking forward to just making this thing go away and living on our lives and moving forward. Right. And, and the most difficult part about that, I think, Mari, is when people are invested in I have to be right or, yes. or I should say additionally, they're both domineering personalities. Yes. So when they're invested in I win, you lose, that's the hardest part, I think. Yeah. But I remember. Step back from that. I remember my, my ex had to always be right. So I finally learned to present things in such a way that, that he would make the presentation or make the proposal and then I could say, oh, that's a great idea. You're right. <laughs> that's that's the creative part, if you know, because I'm not one of those. I'm one of the influencers. So, you know, I think if you're with somebody that has to be right, you have to think of ways to allow them to be right so that you can get this thing done and, and resolved. And that's, you know, that's okay. You know what? I just want to say along with that point, 
it's okay. It's a great solution to do that. But we have to remind people, you're not changing your personality style or no. who you are by doing that. You're no. communicating optimally or communicating in a better way to get things moving forward. Yes. It's you're like you're recognizing. You are. Yeah. You're recognizing needs of the other person and you're helping that person to get their needs met while you're getting your own needs met. That's what exactly. it's all about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of time. I can't believe this. I guess what I want you to do is just tell us about your, your programs real quickly and your websites, because then we're going to have to go. We'll have to do this okay. again. Okay. My website is drbriangrossman.com, but it's the abbreviation for doctor. So it's dr, D-R-B-R-I-A-N-G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N.com. And I do individual coaching and consulting. I do uh, organizational consulting. My specialty is communication, team building, and helping people be their best. Right. And you have um, a audio program? Yes, I have a six-CD audio program with the workbook called Learning to Listen, Did You Hear What I Think I Said? And, and all it, about how people can benefit from listening better, enhance their business and personal relationships. Right. And it's a great we're, we're a little workbook. I got it right in front of me, so I think it's terrific. And thank you so much, Dr. Brian. It's been really fun having you on, and we will have to get together in the real person, too. So thank you so much, and we will send people to your website. Thank you very much for your time. It was a great interview, and I really appreciate you. Okay. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. for Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. And visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see our upcoming guests, listen to archived interviews, download podcasts, and find out more about how you can transform conflict into wonderful opportunities. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.